listening to a Sharesies podcast. It's Wednesday, the 4th of May. This is Recap brought to you by Sharesies. And Sharesies is a wealth development platform where our purpose is to create financial empowerment for everyone. Here's a disclaimer. Investing involves risk. You aren't guaranteed to make money and you might lose the money you started with. Any information we provide is general only and current at the time. If you're looking for help with your investment choices, we recommend talking to a licensed financial advice provider. G'day there, Alan. Hello, Jose. How are you today? I'm so good. It's so good to see your, your wonderful face, and oh, your, your um, swan-dried body. I'm very Shoulders, excited as I can to be see here, it. honestly. Yeah, I, this is um, your first time on Recap. It's, this is my first time. My first time. I'm very nervous, but um, <laughs> we'll, we'll get through it, I'm sure. You're, I think you'll find it's very chill. Um, maybe the best thing to do is to explain to people listening what you do, what your your role at Sharesies is. Yep, yep. Um, very quickly, I am I was employee number 10. I'm very proud of that. Nice. Um, and I am general manager of marketing, so I look after the marketing function and, and the ever-growing and wonderful team of marketers at Sharesies. Super important job, and there's lots of important information in this podcast to come. So let's crack on. Cool. So, Alan, uh, ANZ Bank released its first half results today, and it has something to cheer about. Yes, I'm all ears, but not literally, of course. Yeah, you actually have lovely ears, Alan, but yes, most of you is made up of other appendages. <laughs> Thank you, Jose. The ANZ reported that the New Zealand-based part of the business increased its net profit by 18% from the same period a year earlier. That represents a shift from $930 million to $1.1 billion. In fact, that's the first time the New Zealand part of the companies managed to break that billion-dollar mark. That is a big milestone. So where do, where do they reckon the cause of that extra $800,000 is? Well, according to ANZ, that reflects growth in housing loans. Now, that accounts for 70% of their financials. In 2020, for example, housing loans made up only 64%. Yeah, but I thought the housing market was slowing down. How can uh, that be? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, it is slowing down. Property values have fallen 4.1% since November. But ANZ reckons demand is still strong, even with all those extra pressures on the economy, like inflation and rising interest rates. In fact, the bank said more than a third of homeowners are ahead on their loans by six months or more. Mm. Uh, last year, the government changed up the list of default KiwiSaver providers, meaning that ANZ lost its status as a default provider. So what what difference has that made to the company's bottom line? Yeah, it's definitely affected it. The amount of KiwiSaver funds that ANZ manages dropped overall by $665 million to $18.5 billion. However, ANZ's New Zealand CEO, Antonio Watson, says they're still New Zealand's biggest KiwiSaver and fund manager. They say they're looking after more than $37 billion worth of investments. So ANZ is, of course, an Australian-owned mm. bank. So how have the diggers from across the ditch fared? Well, overall, the ANZ Group's interim cash profit from continuing operations dropped 3% to $3.1 billion Australian dollars. The group also said it's looking at a restructure, which would see its banking activities spun out into a separate company from its investments and innovations arm. Now, if that goes ahead, if they get all the right approvals from the various regulators, it would create a new listed parent holding company, 
with two subsidiaries. Nice. So, Jose, silly question, because I know that you are a coffee connoisseur, but do you or have you partaken of a Starbucks coffee, perchance? And coffee <laughs> is an in inverted commas, because personally, I don't know whether I can call it coffee. All right. Well, at the risk of incriminating myself, Alan, I refuse to answer that question. <laughs> but pray tell, what has the spiritual home of the Caramel Cloud Macchiato been up to? Well, before we start on this, I want to ask you how your latte art is going. I, um, For the listeners, I gave um, Jose an old coffee machine and he promised that he would send me pictures of his latte art. So I'm, I'd like to know what the latest design is that you attempted and succeeded at. Uh, yeah, good question. Well, late, my latest creation, I did a bit of a triptych with three coffee cups, uh, uh, outlining and illustrating the the decline and fall of man over uh, hundreds of years, and then I kind of like last night just before I went to bed, I kind of just I knocked off a, a you know a, a portrait of uh, Winston Peters, who has been banned from Parliament grounds for he, two years. He's it's thanks, been, thanks for that, Jose. I I look forward to um, no checking, in, checking in your Instagram feed for your latest uh, creation. Please do just um, to correct you, he's actually just been uh, reinstated. They just uh, dropped all those charges, all the charges. Oh, They've oh, let him back on. on. So who knows what's happening? <laughs> it was obviously the coffee art. Yeah, it must have been. <laughs> uh, back, back, back to the story. So yep. on May the 3rd, uh, which I think was yesterday, we, we talked about this earlier, um, May the 3rd in the US, yep. Starbucks suspended their guidance for the rest of the year. Now, we talk about guidance a lot when we're talking about uh, company earnings, particularly uh, with companies in the States. It's very worth uh, re-establishing what exactly guidance is. Yep, so that's where um, a company takes a stab, that's the technical term for it, using <laughs> all the tools and data at their disposal, and they decide or forecast what their likely revenue and sales is going to be in the year ahead. Okay, so we're talking about Starbucks, so let me guess, it's not good for them? Mm, yes and no. Um, right. The short story is their sales growth has been seriously hampered by a virtual nationwide lockdown in China. Shanghai and Beijing have had a big impact on Starbucks growth because that's where the majority of their stores are and their big population areas. But the lockdown has extended now to across 25 cities uh, in China, affecting tens of millions of consumers. And when I say lockdown, I mean they are actually, in some cases, locked down. Yeah. People actually locked in their house. They have to hand over their keys. Someone locks them in from the outside. They're just simply not able to leave home to buy their Grand Americano latte with oat milk and sprinkles. I'm not sure whether you can get sprinkles, but I think that would be a good addition if anyone was thinking about doing sprinkles. It's definitely an option, I guess. Um, this does sound, though, like a disaster of grand proportions. <laughs> I see what you did there, Jose. It does have implications. China is, as we know, a huge market, particularly for Starbucks, and coffee consumption there has really been taken off. The interim CEO, Howard Schultz, and you can't get much more of an American name than that, it's says beautiful. that Starbucks China will eventually be a bigger business than the US arm in the years to come, but not just at the moment. There's been a 23% decline in coffee sales in China, compared to a 12% increase in the US. Um, and Starbucks is expecting a greater impact in their third quarter as Beijing's lockdown looks like it's going to continue to ramp up and just become a little bit more stringent. Mm, interesting. So what's brewing for Starbucks internationally? 
Ah, the puns. Uh, The consensus seems to be that this is a blip on the roadmap, albeit a largest one, at least at the moment. Eventually, as in all lockdowns, the Chinese population will be released and will be able to feed their coffee addiction once more. But how long away that is, is anyone's guess. Starbucks in the US, on the other hand, has been going gangbusters, which has offset some of that decline in China. Mm. How's their share price going on this news? It's been falling steadily since the 1st of January this year and is currently sitting around the $78 US dollar mark, down from a high of around $126 in July last year. I mean, surely the lockdown in China, though, has been felt by other uh, global companies? Yep, I think that the suffering is pretty universal. Uh, For example, Tesla's Chinese factory has been shut for two months. KFC and Taco Bell, wonderful eating establishments, have seen a downturn in sales. And Apple, of course, sources a lot of its components components in China, and they've been affected by the lockdown too. So it's a a universal problem. Particular fan of the nacho cheese at Taco Bell. Thank you very much, Alan. Um, From coffee to computer chips, the semiconductor giant AMD has reported a strong first quarter that beat Wall Street expectations. Yes, now I'm pretty sure I've heard you talking about AMD before on Recap. Mm -hmm. That stands for Advanced Micro Devices, which is not a bad description of what it does. It's an American company that makes computer processors and graphic cards, which make computers do all the awesome things that we like them to do. So how have they fared this quarter, Jose? Well, uh, yeah, like I said, they've fared reasonably well. AMD said they've experienced 71% sales growth in the quarter. Revenue was at $5.89 billion, and earnings per share was reported as $1.13. Now, both of those metrics just nipped past expectations. So tell me more. What, what's driving all of that growth? Uh, well, it's been suggested by some analysts that the PC market could soften after a couple of years of the pandemic. Obviously, as people needed to have computers at home for work, the sector spiked, and that's a pretty important market for AMD. But the company says they haven't really felt that slackening off even after two years of record PC sales. Now, they reckon their focus on gaming and premium commercial parts of the market have served them well. For example, PC sales in the computing and graphics segment of the business grew by 8% from the last quarter and grew 33% from the same time last year. And and all that graphic stuff is probably people sitting at home playing games while they're under lockdown or can't go to work. Maybe. Yeah, it's it's all the the, the PS fives and the, the Xboxes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So how how are they managing with the semiconductor shortage? Well, uh, potentially better than their nearest rival, Intel, with which they've been locked in combat for with years uh, for years rather. Unlike Intel, AMD gets their semiconductors from the massive Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company or TSMC. Intel actually makes all their semiconductors in house. Now, the TSMC has been struggling to meet demand, but AMD has had an advantage over other customers and that those premium parts of the market demand more expensive products, which does mean that AMD is higher up the priority list than other customers. And based on that, how do they think that the uh, this quarter is going to pan out for them? Yeah, they, I mean, AMD expects to make $6.5 billion in sales. Now, that's actually a bolder forecast than analyst expectations, which has the company reaching $6.38 billion. 
And that was the end of the show. I mean, that is the end of the show. That was recap for the 4th of May. Thank you very much for listening. And we'd love you to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Our email is recap at sharesies.co.nz and you can also leave a voice message. There's a link in the episode description. Uh, it's Thursday tomorrow, so that is Recap's Away Day. We'll see you on Friday. Matewa, thanks for having me, Jose. No problem, Alan. Good on you. Have a good one. See ya. Bye.